Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples magazine. To find out more, you can visit lifeinnaples.net. We've got a terrific show for you today, including special guest Keith Flaw, co-founder and CEO of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Michael Cannon is director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. We'll talk about new mental health rules. Uh, Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government and... Uh, uh, maybe Bill Barnett will chime in as well. It is uh, June, uh, July the 27th, and on this day in 1921 at the University of Toronto, Canadian scientists Frederick Banning and Charles Best successfully isolated insulin, a hormone they believe could prevent diabetes for the first time. Within a year, the first human sufferers of diabetes were receiving insulin treatments, and countless lives were saved <clears throat> what from what was previously regarded as a fatal disease. Diabetes had been recognized as a distinct medical condition for more than 3,000 years, but its exact cause was a mystery until the 20th century. By the early 1920s, many researchers uh, suspected and strongly suspected the di diabetes was called by a malfunction in the digestive system related to the pancreas gland, a small organ sitting near the uh, liver. At the time, the only way to treat the fatal disease was through a, a diet of low in carbohydrates and sugar and high in fat and protein. Instead of dying shortly after diagnosis, the diet uh, allowed diabetics to live for about a year. Well, a breakthrough came in the University of Toronto in the summer of 1921 when Canadians Frederick Banning and Charles Best successfully isolated insulin from canine test subjects produced diabetic symptoms in animals, and then began a program of insulin injections that returned the dogs to normalcy. On November the 14th, the discovery was announced to the world. Two months later, with the support of J.J.R. McLeod of the University of Toronto, the two scientists began preparations for an insulin treatment of a human subject. Enlisting the aid of biochemist J.B. Collip, <clears throat> they were able to uh, extract a reasonably pure formula of insulin from the pancreases of cattle, from slaughterhouses. Wow. On January the 23rd, 1922, they began treating 14-year-old Leonard Thompson with insulin injections. The diabetic teenager improved dramatically, and the University of Toronto immediately gave pharmaceutical companies license to produce insulin free of royalties. By 1923, insulin had become widely available, and Banning and McLeod were awarded the Nobel Prize in, in medicine, uh, which they richly deserved. What a contribution to human health. In existence for 3,000 years, and they came up with a cure. Wonderful. Well, yesterday, as expected, the Federal Reserve approved a 25.25% increase in interest rates. The increase uh, brings the Fed's benchmark rate up to 5.25 uh, to 5.5%, the highest in 22 years. Now, the stock market's kind of uh, shrugged the shoulders. U.S. stock markets closed mixed. Uh, the Dow is up for the 13th consecutive session, albeit just a, a small amount. That's the first time it's been up uh, 13 sessions since 1987, 13 consecutive sessions since 1987. 
Well, the big news yesterday, Joe Biden's son, Hunter, uh, pleaded not guilty to federal tax crimes yesterday after original plea deal with the prosecutors fell apart when a judge raised concerns about the details. <clears throat> the case is now on hold to give more time to the parties to submit additional information and allow the judge to review a revised deal. Actually, if there is no revised deal, he'll end up going to court, going to trial. Hunter Biden was 53 and was expected to plead guilty to two misdemeanor accounts of willful failure to pay federal income taxes on more than $1.5 million in income in 2017 and 18. He was also expected to enter a, into an agreement to avoid prison for a felony firearm charge for falsely filling, uh, filling out a f- federal form during a 2018 gun purchase. Uh, while he was using drugs at the time. Prosecutors said the probe into Hunter Biden's business dealings remains ongoing, and he could face additional charges. The GOP-controlled House Oversight Committee's own investigation also uh, continues, so there's more to come. In addition, Hunter Biden's attorneys face potential sanctions over misrepresentations to the court after his legal team allegedly lied to the clerk in his criminal case. It turns out that a House of Representatives member sent over a file on uh, Hunter Biden to the court for their review and consideration. And uh, a member of his defense team called up and said, hey, that file you received, uh, just ignore it. Just don't don't pay attention. Well, that's a crime. They they should be disbarred for that. Uh, Separately, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is floating an impeachment inquiry into President Biden over unverified claims of possible financial misconduct. So all that happened yesterday. In the meantime, uh, Hunter walked into court expecting to be free of all. He wanted to put his legal problems behind him. He thought that would happen yesterday morning at 10 a.m. Well, it didn't happen. In fact, uh, Delaware Judge Mary Ellen Noreka, uh, a Trump appointee, set new conditions of release for Hunter Biden. He walked out with these expectations. He's required to not possess a firearm, not or to use or possess any controlled substances, including marijuana, unless prescribed, submit to full federal supervision, no use of alcohol at all, seek active employment, (laughs) submit to testing for prohibited substances, participate in a substance abuse therapy, and if if he doesn't, uh, uh, do what he's supposed to do, and if he violates the uh, the requirements, it could be an immediate issuance of an arrest warrant, a revocation of release, forfeiture of bond, and prosecution for contempt of court. So very stiff penalties. I think it's probably the first time <clears throat> in his life that he's faced stiff penalties for misconduct. So he walked out of court, no deal, uh, the possibility of going to trial, and having requirements put on him uh, that are pretty stringent. And uh, it kind of puts a smile on my face to think that there's going to be justice in this case. Well, a former U.S. Air Force intelligence officer appeared before House legis- lawmakers yesterday alleging federal office officials have concealed evidence of UFOs from the public for decades. The hearing is the latest in an increasingly public conversation about unidentified aerial phenomena UAP, they're they're called, a formal term covering both terrestrial and, in principle, extraterrestrial craft. Retired Major General uh, David Grush, uh, who went public in June, served in various capacities tracking UAPs 
uh, events for various federal agencies from 2019 to 22, the most explosive of his claims, all based on secondhand reports collected during his tenure, is that the U.S. government has retrieved numerous non-human craft and is in a race to reverse engineer the technology before other nations do. At least one former colleague has publicly backed Grusha's statements. Also appearing was former uh, Navy Commander David Fravor, whose 2004 encounter with the UAP made waves about being declassified three years ago. So this is a big deal. looks like our federal government has been concealing information from us for decades. And uh, now it's all becoming clear, uh, slowly but surely. And uh, apparently they not only, uh, it, it is reported that they have not only the uh, flight craft, but also perhaps extraterrestrial beings uh, that have been captured along with uh, the aircraft that may have crashed. So uh, this is such an interesting story. And uh, if true, and in fact, uh, one of the things that were reported is apparently there have been numerous sightings, but some of the uh, pilots who've seen these aircraft have been re, uh, re, uh, motivated to not report them for fear that they might lose uh, their standing in uh, the Navy the Air, or the Air Force or wherever it might be. So uh, it's a story that needs breaking, and it's, we need to get some light on this and uh, make sure that people understand what's going on. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell had an interesting uh, situation yesterday. He inexplicably froze during a Senate GOP leadership press conference Wednesday afternoon, prompted by his colleagues to pull him aside from a podium at a Capitol Hill without furnishing his, uh, finishing his remarks. He's 81 years of age and is the longest-serving party leader in the history of the U.S. Senate. He went silent during his opening remarks at the uh, regular press conference. According to the video, the alarming moment, well, good afternoon, everyone, he said, moments after walking up to the podium. We're on a path to finishing the NDAA this week. There's been a good uh, been a good deal of part bipartisan cooperation as well as a string of, and then he just trailed off and just stood there. And he stood there for about 18 seconds until people began to get uncomfortable with him. There were senators behind him, Barrasso, eventually stepped in and said, hey, Mitch, he interjected, anything else you want to say or should we just go back to your office? Now, Barrasso, by the way, is a medical doctor, so he's, he's appropriately stepping up. McConnell didn't speak but appeared to recognize he was being spoken to and apparently verbalizing, hmm, and leaned forward, do you want to say anything else to the press? Barrasso reiterated, McConnell, who's 81, was out of the Senate for almost six weeks earlier this year after falling and hitting his head. His office later said he suffered a concussion, a fractured rip during that incident. Just raises the question, did he have some sort of a mini or micro stroke while he was standing in front of the podium there? In any event, uh, a very alarming condition uh, for Mitch McConnell yesterday in front of the microphone. Well, 11 people were injured, including two firefighters, when the engine of a crane operating in Midtown Manhattan caught fire and collapsed early Wednesday morning, sending 16 tons of concrete and debris sprawling onto 10th Avenue. The surrounding area was closed for several hours as first responders extinguished the blaze, whose preliminary cause is believed to be a hydraulic fluid leak. Around 7.30 a.m. local time, a fire was reported at the construction site at 550 10th Avenue, a planned 54-story mixed-use building. 
The crane operator managed to reach, uh, reach safety after uh, attempting to pull out of the, uh, out the uh, fire engine fire. Not long after, a video appears to show the top segment of the crane breaking and crashing into the neighborhood apartment building, neighboring apartment building. That's pretty astounding. Loma, the apparent company responsible for the operation, has been involved in at least two other high-profile incidents over the last two decades, including a 2008 incident when two workers were killed. I just do recall uh, so many reports of uh, these uh, cranes falling in New York City, among other places, but uh, we need to figure out ways to take greater precautions with these cranes. Uh, Very dangerous in my mind. While a majority of Americans no longer support free speech, Alex Berenson called this a, the scariest poll you'll ever see all summer. A full 55% of Americans say the government should ban misinformation. Uh, you know, misinformation is bad, but the government trying to ban it, they're the ones creating most of the misinformation, in my opinion. What's really disgusting is that more than two of three Democrats want the government to show, throw free speech right out the window if the government determines the words are misinformation. Lord only knows which speech police will be deciding what constitutes misinformation. Does this include even muzzling Nobel Prize winners who challenge conventional wisdom? A separate poll shows that young people are more likely to want the government to shut down speech they disagree with or deem hurtful. (laughs) I can't believe it. In today's Americans, uh, where young people need to have their safe spaces, there is no tolerance for dissent. So sad. The First Amendment is the most cherished of all rights in America, which is why it is the First Amendment. Apparently, well well more than half of Americans don't know that central to all Americans' First Amendment rights is that that it protects speech that may be offensive to some, disagreeable, irreverent, controversial, or even wrong. We don't know how much longer this speech police will be allowed on the Bob Harden show. They'll allow the Bob Harden show. I realize I say something's controversial until I listen to what other people are saying. (laughs) Seriously. So what's the example? Nobel Prize winner John uh, Clauser, Dr. John Clauser, whose disputed issues surrounding climate change recently was told he would not be speaking to the International Monetary Fund. Clauser was to present a seminar on climate models to the IMF on Thursday, and now his talk has been summarily canceled. And the uh, CO2 coalition said in a statement, So, why the left says there's no debate about climate change, uh, they aren't kidding. Uh, uh, We're up against the Middle Ages flat earth society that uh, stoned heretics back in the day. So sad, isn't it? No free speech. Well, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg uh, revealed Wednesday that the Department of Transportation has introduced new rules to increase the size of airplane bathrooms. The rules will require airlines to make lavatories on new single-aisle aircraft large enough to permit a passenger with a disability and attendant, both equivalent in size to the 95th percentile male, to approach, enter, and maneuver within as necessary to use the aircraft lavatory, according to the Department of Transportation press release. The new rule follows the January decision by the Federal Aviation Administration uh, a DOT, or Department of Transportation sub-agency, to temporarily ground all flights in the United States for the first time since the September 11th attacks in response to a widespread FAA outage. 
Traveling can be stressful enough without worrying about being able to access a restroom. Yet today, millions of wheelchair users are forced to choose between dehydrating themselves before boarding a plane or avoiding air travel altogether, Judge said. Uh, Vice President Kamala Harris, she piled on. She previously called for the lack of enlarged plane bathrooms as unacceptable, promising on July 11th that Biden administration would soon announce solutions to help end this inequity. Uh, Buttigieg called the new rule big news in the Wednesday tweet. Seems us, you know, they just, uh, they're tone deaf, those folks. I mean, you just think about what's going on with travel now. Canceled flights, it's just uh, travel in airplanes is just becoming more and more unpleasant. We personally avoid it whenever we can. Uh, but nevertheless, they're fo- focusing on the size of bathrooms. Not to say that that's not a legitimate issue, but in the scheme of things for the Department of Transportation, is that really the focus? Are you kidding? Just unbelievable. Well, seven uh, Republican presidential candidates are on track to qualify for the Republican National Committee's first 2024 debate scheduled for August the 23rd. Uh, the debate uh, offers an opportunity for these candidates to showcase their campaigns, but it's likely that former President Trump, the uh, Republican frontrunner, will not be present. The qualifying candidates include Trump, uh, DeSantis, uh, Nikki Haley, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, Governor Chris Christie, Senator Tim Scott, North Carolina Governor uh, Doug Burgum, you notice that Michael Pence's name is not down there. He hasn't qualified, if you can believe that. The campaigns are indicated they have met the fundraising and donor requirements for participation as uh, reported by the 538 and some of the candidates themselves. So the debate will go on. Right now, I suspect, my personal belief is that Trump will not participate, nor should he, in my opinion. He's a front runner by a large margin, and the whole concept and the way these debates are constructed, it's kind of that all you get is pithy statements, a quick statement, uh, some back and forth. Yes, you could compare uh, the conduct of the candidates, but really in terms of the substance of the issues, you get very little out of these debates. So nothing important will be said. They just try to avoid being, doing, saying anything uh, controversial. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Keith Flaw, co-founder and CEO of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. 
What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabee's.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Kaya County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Kaya Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Kaya Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Kaya County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And you can get tickets and find out more by visiting the website Golf Shore Playhouse. Org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us uh, Keith Flaw. He is the co-founder and CEO of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you, Bob. Keith, tell right. us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Uh, we're a uh, grassroots coalition of now all, over 250,000 people here in uh, Florida, uh, two-thirds of which are f- families with kids 17 or under in the home. And we focus on K through 12 education, and uh, what that means to us is uh, fighting to, uh, you know, to expand school choice options, to give parents alternatives to our government schools, and uh, we also spend a fair amount of energy trying to get rid of the indoctrinations in our schools. Terrific organization! I just encourage our listeners to go to goflca.com. and that's the website. A very robust website, by the way. You find out a lot there, and. Uh, make a contribution because it's just a terrific organization has contributed so much, gotten so much traction in Tallahassee with the Department of Education as well as a State Board of Education as well as the uh, governor's office and the legislature. So, Keith, uh, some breaking news. We've got uh, apparently Collier County is considering raising uh, education taxes here uh, uh, in, in, the, in the next week or two. Yeah, well, it's a two-part process. The first hearing, there will be a hearing uh, on July 31st here in, uh, at the Collier County uh, uh, Headquarters Building, the Martin Luther King Headquarters Building, uh, at 5 o'clock on Monday the 31st. And the, the staff, 
is recommending uh, significant tax increases for next year's budget. Uh, the interesting part about that, from our perspective, is that three of the uh, the new the new three board members that got elected last November all signed a Grover Norquist uh, no tax increase pledge. Mm-hmm. So um, you know we plan to uh, aggressively remind them of their pledge, and uh, we'll see how it comes down. Again, it's a two part process. Uh, the first is uh, for them, uh, you know, for them to to put out. Uh, uh, rates uh, that then get have, have to get advertised for a final hearing uh, that'll take place uh, about a month later. So, um, you know, it's uh, anybody in in Collier that uh, you know believes that in that, that our school boards, uh, our school district is bloated. Um, uh, we ought to be. Uh, we ask you to be there in, in, in force and help these. Uh, elected officials understand that they can't just keep raising taxes. That's well, kind of absurd. I mean, the, we uh, pay so much in taxes for education. You know, I, in New York City, I, saw the, uh, I forgot the name of the organization, but uh, they have charter schools, and they're getting great results for their students, and they're getting half of the money that the public school system is, is getting to, uh, to educate kids. And uh, the results are even better. Half of the money. What has surprised me is there apparently the school systems uh, uh, receive about thirty-eight thousand uh, dollars per student. I don't even think we're that high, quite frankly. But uh, just atrocious the amount of money that's going down the tubes. Probably for most of the waste is on uh, some sort of a uh, bloated uh, bureaucracy. Oh, it's clearly related to. Uh, you know, we've argued uh, aggressively over the years and. Uh, with the new board that they ought to be cutting their, their staff, uh, their headquarters, administrative staff, uh-huh. um, by at least, uh, 30%. Um, we've got uh, round numbers. We've got 7,000 employees in Collier County, 3000 teachers. Again, I'm, you know, I'm rounding numbers, but right. 3000 teachers and 4,000 administrators. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense at all. And we are spending, uh, when you take the total budget and divide it into the number of students, uh, we're spending uh, uh, right at thirty thousand dollars per kid. It's up to and, thirty thousand. Oh my goodness! And forty percent of our kids can't read and do math at grade level. Yeah. And seven and seventy five percent of our our uh, third graders uh, can't read at a level four or five. So I mean, we're just. Uh, I mean, that's why we elected a new board. We elected them to be very aggressive in terms of improving, focusing on improving education, getting back to the basics and getting this spending under control. And we'll see whether they have the, uh, the courage and integrity to follow through on their pledge. So give us the information again so our listeners can attend uh, if possible. It's, uh, the, the, it's the first of two hearings. Uh, it'll be 5 o'clock at the Martin Luther King uh, School Board location here, uh, you know, the headquarters for Collier County School Board, uh, 5 o'clock on Monday, uh, July 31st. All right, Keith, thank you so much for that. Uh, very interesting information. If anything, we should be cutting taxes, not increasing them. And Absolutely. In my view, turn every school into a charter school and start over <laughs> <laughs> yeah. with a classical education model. Uh, Keith, I understand that the uh, uh, State Board of Education, uh, the Commission of Education, has uh, come out with new rules to support uh, the le- legislature has been pay- uh, passed to pass to support public education. 
Yeah, um, on July 19th, up in Orlando, uh, they held uh, the State Board of Education held uh, its monthly uh, hearing. And by the way, next month in August, it's going to be in Naples. So mm. we'll talk about that at a future show. But uh, they passed an, a number of r- rules in support of the, the um, legislation that the governor signed into law. Uh, it included things like uh, banning dra- uh, drag queen shows on school property. It restricts boys and girls to use their, uh, only their appropriate restroom based on their biological sex. Uh, it banned the use of any pronouns other than biological sex. And it also, uh, it's, this is getting some national attention uh, with the governor running for president. Uh, it also uh, put a whole new set of standards in place for African-American history uh, that, uh, in, in our view, were excellent. So we uh, put out an action alert a couple of days before that hearing. Uh, we had over a thousand, almost a thousand people in 24 hours um, uh, support that effort uh, with petitions to the State Board of Education. Wow. Uh, and so we encourage anybody, any of your listeners, to join, to subscribe to our database so that they can help support these kinds of things going forward. Absolutely. As you went through the list of things, I mean, you can't believe in this day and age that we're making rules about this kind of stuff. It's just <laughs> unbelievable that uh, protect yeah. ourselves from this quote unquote woke, woke movement. Well, again, just a great job. Well done, uh, again, Keith Flaw, along with uh, Pastor Rick Stevens, co-founders of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Just encourage you to go to goflca.com, goflca.com. And by the way, uh, most of the money, almost all the money, more than 90% goes to support uh, the efforts in Tallahassee to, for working with the legislatures and with the uh, Commissioner of Education, as well as with the governor. So uh, doing terrific work. So make a contribution as well. GoFLCA.com. Keith, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you, Bob. Have a great week- weekend. You okay. as well. Thank you very much, Keith. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Michael Cannon. Michael is the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratuscale Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor.
you're a valued professional RN, there's a path that takes you to the next level. Hodges University offers an RN to BSN program that, like you, is way above average. RNs with a BSN have a faster track to pursuing leadership positions and can see faster hourly rate increases than those with an ASN. You can earn your BSN with Hodges in just one year. Classes are online and start in August. Scholarships are available. Become the next level nursing professional. Do more. Earn more. Be more. Visit Hodges.edu today. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show, providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Uh, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon. He is the director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be back, Bob. Thank you, Michael. Tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank in Washington, D.C. We want you to be able to live your life however you want, as long as you respect the equal right of others to do so. And we bring that perspective and those values to just about all areas of public policy. Terrific organization. Cato.org is the website. C-A-T-O dot org. So I understand that uh, the president is making some new rules about uh, mental health uh, uh, support here in the United States. That's right. So ever since 1996, the federal government has been trying to get insurance companies uh, get, really mandate, force insurance companies to offer more coverage for mental health services. These are sessions with a therapist. They can also include uh, 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 medications in order to help people with depression, anxiety, and even more severe mental health conditions. And so... In 1996, the first step the federal government took was to tell insurance companies that you cannot have different annual or lifetime limits on coverage for mental health care if you offer mental health uh, coverage for mental health services. And this sounds like it would increase uh, health insurance coverage for mental health, and it, it did to some extent, but it also encouraged some insurers to drop mental health coverage because they uh, because that was an option under the law and these mandates are expensive. I remember at the time I was seeing my therapist. I had employer-sponsored insurance. That insurance covered part of the cost of uh, that of those mental health services. But when that mandate took effect in 1998, hmm. what happened was my insurer said, uh, "Well, wow, this is going to be really expensive." We're going to shift the coverage. We have to comply with the annual lifetime limit uh, increases, we're, but we're going to shift coverage under those limits away from people like Michael toward more severe cases, which makes sense from the perspective of an insurance company and an employer, yeah. but from the perspective of the patient, that can mean that you are going to be rationing care to, uh, uh, to people receiving uh, really what are preventive services that can prevent. Yeah. a more serious uh, uh, mental health uh, problem. So uh, then they abandoned that approach and said they were just going to increase premiums across the board, making health insurance less affordable. Now, the federal government has made um, 
has, has broadened that mandate and said that not only can you not have different annual and lifetime limits, you can't have different deductibles for mental health services, you can't have different coinsurance, prior authorization, and they've really tried to achieve what we call parity between uh, physical health and behavioral health. But this is incredibly expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it costs 3 to 11%, according to a range of studies, from 3 to 11% that uh, the, these recovering all of these additional uh, mental health services will increase the cost of premiums 3 to 11%, which would make health insur- insurance too expensive for uh, and leave uninsured a million, two million people. Yeah. So, and, and what are the benefits of this? You know, there's a study back in 2003 that found when states uh, do these mandates, uh, impose these mandates, it didn't have an effect on suicide rates. Yeah. But you know what has, Bob, is deregulation. And we've talked about this before. If the federal and state governments want to improve mental health outcomes and increase access to mental health services, what they should be doing is deregulating by letting psychologists, instead of just medical doctors, in some cases nurse practitioners, but licensed psychologists with special training prescribe psychotropic medications to their patients. One study found that that did reduce suicide rates in states that have tried it. We discussed that study before. And there are other things that states uh, and the federal government can do to increase access to mental health services, like remove barriers to methadone treatment. Uh, the federal and state governments make it really hard for people with opioid use disorder to access me- methadone treatment, which ha- which reduces all-cause mortality among uh, uh, among patients with opioid use disorder, and uh, including suicide rates. And neither of these options cost the federal, or state governments, or consumers a dime. Yeah. Uh, they would just remove the barriers the government has put in the way of these services. So interesting, Michael. You know, the, the interesting thing is the very premise of our discussion is that what the government should do, what the government should do is just get the heck out of the way and just allow consumers to deal with providers directly. And uh, uh, I think we get a lot better solutions and a lot less expensive solutions. Now, there's no question that we have a mental health crisis here in the United States. But the, what, whatever we're doing, it's just not working right now. And again, as you're pointing out, most of the solutions involving paying more money, and which would exclude many people who need these services, not be able to get them. And, you know, you bring to mind a really interesting <clears throat> tweet that I read and captured it and saved because I needed to save this. It was from a, a prominent Capitol Hill staffer whose who's therapist left her health plan's insurance network, and so now she, she likes her therapist, but she has to pay $150 out of pocket every time she goes to see this therapist because the therapist is no longer a network, and she complained, now that I'm paying that money out of pocket, I actually have to take time to think about what are the issues that I want to talk to my therapist about, and are they worth $150? Yeah. What this tells you is that a lot of times uh, people, I think, would be better off paying out-of-pocket for mental health services because they would be less like they'd be more focused. That uh, having to bear the cost of that themselves would make them more focused on addressing what are the real issues here, uh, and and would and doing so would the more mental health services that people paid for out-of-pocket. Uh, 
the less expensive health insurance would be and the more affordable some form of mental health coverage would be for others. So just imagine that uh, if you're a consumer and you say, you know, I, I, I've got, I'm troubled, I have some difficulties with different issues and so forth, I, I'd really like to see somebody. If you knew that you're paying out of pocket, wouldn't you not only shop around for the highest quality provider, but also the least expensive, a combination of those two issues to be considered to choose, and maybe geographic location. But uh, in other words, uh, I th what do you think that would do to the, the price of, uh, of those services? I suspect it would drive them down. I read something really interesting from a couple of health economists where they said mental health services or the economics of mental health is just like the economics of health, only more so. It's really complex. There's so much more uncertainty in mental health services, and it's really hard to judge quality as well. Mm. So consumers would have a hard time shopping around, but I think the evidence is pretty clear that they would be able to bring prices down if they are cost conscious, if they're price conscious in a way right. that, that our Capitol Hill staffer friend uh, was, was not and that became price conscious uh, because price consciousness does re reduce prices. It, it sparks price competition among providers. And even though they might have difficulty judging who is a good therapist, who is not a good therapist, what, is a, what are high quality mental health services, they'd probably do a better job than government bureaucrats or politicians trying to make those decisions for them. Absolutely. Well, I was encouraged to think that, uh, that we're, tr we're trying to do something about mental health problems here in the United States. That's a good thing. The problem is the, the, the ones that are trying to do it are the ones that we can least trust with the issue, which would be federal bureaucrats. I think access to mental health services, like access to health care more broadly, would expand to the extent the government pulled back and stopped trying to improve on the situation. Uh, every time the government gets involved in health care or mental health care to try to increase quality or reduce costs, the exact opposite happens. I think you know, this episode is no different. Uh, Michael Cannon, again, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. I encourage you to visit the website, cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. Michael, as usual, terrific commentary. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Glad to be back. Thank you, Bob. Thank you as well, Michael. All right, coming up, Seat Motley, founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor.
Lafont's restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. ask yourself why people are the way they are. If you're fascinated by human behavior and you want to make a career of it, you know where you need to start? Hodges University with a bachelor's degree in applied psychology. Your professors are practicing professionals that bring your classes to life with live chat discussions and various projects. You know, having a deeper understanding of what motivates people can lead to careers in counseling, sales, human resources. Your passion can be your career. So get started today. What are you waiting for? Visit Hodges.edu or stop by their campus in Fort Myers. They're at the corner of Colonial and Winkler. Because with Hodges University, you're going to stay near and go far. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. just want to remind you that Lulu Bee's Diner serving great breakfasts and lunches. Terrific on the Green Tree Shopping Center. Now serving dinner Wednesdays through Saturdays, 4 to 8 p.m. Terrific menu, great food, great value. Again, Lulubee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. We have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Uh, you wrote a column, More D.C. Self-Cronyism Further Overfilling overfilled Reagan Airport. And if anybody's been to Reagan Airport, you know exactly what Seton's talking about. Maybe you can tell us about it. Well, you know, I was born and raised in Alexandria. Uh, You were born and raised in D.C., were you not? Uh, Well, I wasn't born there, but I was raised for the most part in uh, Bethesda, Maryland. Bethesda, Maryland, which is a D.C. suburb for people who do not know. Right. Alexandria, Virginia is just across the Potomac from uh, D.C. It's about a it's about a 15-minute drive if you do it at 3 in the morning. Right. Um, <laughs> otherwise, it takes a little longer because there's people. Um, but anyway, it's right there. And, and um, so is Reagan Airport. It's, it's, in, it's in Alexandria. It's actually further up the parkway than I lived. Um, so it's further north of Old Town Alexandria. But it's right across the river from D.C. Right. So having an international airport that close to the nation's capital is a bit of a national security problem. So I remember when I was growing up, uh, they, they, they started Dulles Airport, which is, again, it's about an hour drive at three in the morning. It's, it's close to two hours if you leave during rush hour um, in, in Western Virginia in Loudoun County. And the, the, the original plan was we're going to wind down. It was national, then it became Reagan National. They renamed it Reagan National, and um, we're going to wind that down and close it up. Because remember, they have two other airports besides Reagan. There's Baltimore Washington International Airport too. Right. Uh, it's BWI, and and so the people who live there, like me, laughed 
because we knew DC's denizens are not going to drive over an hour to get to an airport to leave town. They want to go, go. They want to go right across the river. They want to get on their planes. They want to leave. Right. Well, Reagan Airport uh, has a 1969 rule, I believe it is, that says if the flight's over 1,250 miles, you can't land at Reagan. And the point of that was to keep it, keep a lid on how many flights are going in and out of Reagan. For people who've never been to Reagan, it's a very small, old airport. They added a whole new terminal as large as the old one. Um, but it's not very big, and there's not a lot of room to go. It's right alongside the George Washington Parkway, and you can't go wider. There's not much room. You've got the river on one side, and you've got GW Parkway on the other, which is already way over congested because it's, it was ne- it's supposed to be a, you know, a recreational drive, and it's become part of the commute. Right. Um, so the, 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 you're kind of stuck. So this rule's been in place. Well, every time the FAA, uh, the Federal Aeronautical Aviation, the Federal Aviation Administration's budget comes up, these selfish jerks who are congressmen from beyond the limit try to get this rule removed because they want to jump on a plane and, you know, air, you know, congressmen from Arizona, congressmen from California from from Seattle from Washington from Oregon want to get on a plane and land at Reagan and now they can't and so they try to change this rule which will dramatically increase the number of flights into DCA obviously um I mean just to put this in perspective I just remembered this DC has three airports it has 700,000 people right New York City has three airports it has seven million people right so, I mean, this is already self-serving beyond belief. Um, so they're trying to change this rule. And I, I add in that Alexandria, again, it's crammed up against the river, this this portion of Alexandria. Alexandria's a very large, spread-out city, kind of like Los Angeles. But this portion of, 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 of Alexandria we're talking about, where the airport is on the parkway, up against the river, we also have to factor in Amazon's second headquarters is going in. Yeah, that's right. Literally like four or five miles from the airport. In, um, and we're talking about 14,000 people in phase one. Now, imagine also factoring in all the shuttling back and forth between their Seattle headquarters one and their Alexandria headquarters two if we pile them all in to Reagan, into DCA. So it's just it's, it's it's crazy. It makes no sense. It's it's overcrowded now as it is. Uh, last summer, uh, Reagan Airport was the third worst in America for delays and cancellations, and that's the summer when Congress isn't in session. Yeah, see, it's it's so <clears throat> interesting. This topic is. <clears throat> And just to underscore the point you made, the reason why this is all happening is for the convenience of uh, elected officials flying in and out of Washington, D.C. I recall one time flying into uh, Dulles Airport, and then the flight uh, stopped there for about 15 minutes and went on to National Airport. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And, and just to, go, I guess, to comply with that 1,500-mile uh, rule. Well, and, and the... And again, in major cities all over the country, the airports are often 45 minutes to an hour away. Yeah. 
This, you know, D.C. is one of the only places that has an airport right in the middle of everything. You know, a major international airport right in the middle of everything. You go to Denver, you go to, <clears throat> you, go to you know, New York. There's no airport in Manhattan. Right. I mean, come on. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a security issue for any major city, let alone, you know, our, the, 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 the crux of government. Um, a- absolutely. It's, just, it's it's a, you know, we knew, us natives knew Reagan wasn't going away, but, you know, let's at least not expand it. Seat Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. This is just a terrific discussion, Seat, because it reminds me of all the difficulties of living in Washington, D.C. and the oh. absurdity of the entire thing. You should tear it down and put up a city, Bob. <laughs> I hope you visit uh, lessgovernment.org. Lessgovernment.org. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seat, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, sir. My pleasure, indeed. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Gain the skills you want so you'll be in demand by employers. That's what Hodges University's workforce readiness is all about. Choose your specialty from EV technician, automation, robotics, real estate, insurance, and electronics to programming boot camps, supply chain management, and more. These classes are online, affordable, and focused on what you need to know. Learn more today by visiting Hodges.edu and clicking on Workforce Readiness. Because with Hodges University, you'll stay near and go far. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board. Just doing ter- getting great results as they uh, raise $13 million a year to help prepare elected officials to have winning strategies going into their various positions in the legislature. So you can find out more uh, by visiting the website, thefga.org, thefga.org. Well, $135 billion down the drain, that's how much the Biden war on fossil fuels has cost the U.S. economy since Biden entered office. The price has averaged just under $80 a barrel under Biden versus an average of $65 a barrel under Trump and a $60 bar- a barrel when Trump left office. 
we have roughly two billion uh, barrels of production under Biden versus where we would be with Trump's pro-drilling policies. America would be roughly $135 billion richer if we stuck with American first energy policy. Can you believe that? $135 billion. This Biden, uh, uh, Bidenomics is just, uh, it's soaking us totally yeah, financially. And uh, these policies just don't make any sense. He's selling to us. He says Bidenomics is really terrific. Wait until it starts working. <laughs> well, former President Donald Trump maintained a stronghold on Republican voters, even in the face of potential indictments. Despite seeking another t- term in 2024, he continues to dominate the GOP field by a significant margin. According to a recent survey by Rasmussen Reports, which is a very credible organization, 57% of likely Republican primary voters expressed their support for Trump. In comparison, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis garnered 13%, and uh, former Vice President Mike Pence trailed at just 5%. <clears throat> I think uh, Ramaswamy <clears throat> and Tim Squ- Scott have both uh, leapfrogged Pence uh, since this report. <clears throat> Russell reports also noted that Trump's support among GOP voters has remained relatively stable, only slightly decreasing since May. This data suggests that Trump's influence remains strong within the Republican Party, regardless of all the indictments and recent developments that have occurred. It's just amazing. Also, foreign uh, companies have been the biggest winners of President Joe Biden's 2022 signature Green Energy and Healthcare Bill. According to an analysis conducted by the Wall Street Journal, overseas corporations, primarily from China, Japan, and South Korea, could stand to reap billions of dollars in U.S. government subsidies made available through the Inflation Reduction Act in the coming decade, according to the uh, Wall Street Journal. Projects uh, tied to foreign corporations made up 15 to 20 of the largest projects the Wall Street Journal examined that are receiving a boost from the IRA incentives and subsidies. In total, the Wall Street Journal analysis examined 140 green energy-related projects that accumulatively account for about $110 billion in investments. The bill will provide around $1.2 trillion in incentives for green energy development over the next decade. Analysis estimate that it will spur some $3 trillion in green energy investment uh, in the same same time, according to an analysis. A key driving cause for the involvement of foreign firms is that subsidy-eligible products is the lack of domestic supply chains for the critical raw materials and more complex components. You know, for example, with the batteries, the solar panels, all these things that require uh, uh, things from China, uh, minerals and uh, uh, from, from China. That, that speaks volumes about what's going on here. So, again, not only are we wasting trillions of dollars on fuel and energy, but we're also replacing it with things provided to us by foreign governments. It's just totally absurd. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got great guests for tomorrow's show, including William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow with the uh, Pacific Legal Foundation. We'll also uh, visit with Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture, and Ryan Young. He is a senior economist with the Competitive Enterprise Institute. Should be a fun show. Uh, really looking forward to it. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, I hope you'll pass the word on to your friends. Uh, that supports our advertisers, and we can't do the show without them. 
I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harton Show on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharton.com. Bob Harton.